Good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. And uh, it's funny, I haven't shared in, in quite a while. Um, I often share at meetings during pitches, but sometimes being the speaker is a little intimidating. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to study. What am I going to say? What do you mean, what am I going to say? It's my story. <laughs> I kind of know it. <laughs> I don't have to like rehearse it. Oh, my Lord. Um, I've been around program for about 46 years now. Um, I came in 1977 and I had just went to my first meeting and I heard about a retreat up in the uh, uh, mountains at Camp Sky Meadows. And I believe it was like two days later. It was it was like within this, the same week or whatever it was. And I remember I was so excited about the the, um, the program to see that, that that looked like there was an answer here. I went to that retreat and um, you're not, I, um, I'm so grateful that I did that and I've, I've kept coming back no matter what. Um, um, I, my top weight was about 200 pounds. Um, let me see. I'm looking. I, that's what I got up for while I was putzing around. I'm not too good on the phone. Let me reverse this real quick. See if because I can't see what I'm showing you. I did find some pictures of me, and sometimes people want to see pictures. Okay. So I, let me see if I can get this. I don't know. If I, so that was me uh, back in 1973. So oh, I, I'm not too. I don't know if you can see it. Let me get it there. Uh, it's not working. Okay, let me just do it like this. So that was me in 1973 uh, at 183 pounds. So I had already lost quite a bit of weight. And um, so just so that you have an idea, that was that was me. Um, okay, so there we go. I'm coming back. I'm going to reverse this thing. Anyway, so um, I, I came to the program. Um, uh, wow always good at being on a diet. Whenever I was on a diet, I could lose the weight really good. I was really good at that. But the second I hit whatever goal it was, I went right back to the old way of eating, celebrating, of course, that weight loss. And, uh, and I put the weight right back on along with a little extra. And that had been my whole life all along. Um, so it was quite a struggle. And I was seeing a therapist at the time. Um, and, uh, I would, would go to visit her and I'd be laying on the couch talking to her. And and it was just, I was just a mess. And I remember one day I went in and she just said, you know, I think we're going to have to put you in the hospital. And I kind of looked at her like, oh, like when, like maybe next month if I don't straighten out. And it's like, no, right, right now. Uh, and so they didn't know what to do back in the, I think it was the oh, late 70s, whatever it was. Anyway, I don't even know the date. Um they didn't know what to do with it. I became anorexic bulimic because for me, um, and often even today, folks, uh, it's still easier to eat nothing than it is to stop eating what I start to eat. So a lot of times um, I would just postpone it, postpone it, postpone it. And um, and that's often been the key for me, uh, except for when I did eat, I couldn't stop. And so I struggled with that. Uh, first, it was anorexia. I would go, to, uh, I would go uh, days without eating anything. And I'd get up every morning, and when I stood up, I would uh, literally fall down. I, I would fall out, fall on the floor. Um, so I finally learned when I get up to stay at the side of the bed, because I always fell down at least once. As my electrolytes were a mess, uh, everything was, my metabolism, everything was a mess, you know. Um, and it's a miracle I'm even alive today. Um, uh, just to give you an, an example, my first ride in the carpool lane, 
was in an ambulance on the way to the a hospital, you know, because I had an episode while I was having a checkup at the doctor and they thought I was having a heart attack or whatever it was. And and that's all due directly from uh, from the consequences of uh, uh, compulsive overeating, uh, anorexia and bulimia. So um, why I'm here today, I cannot tell you. Um, but uh, just jumping way ahead, I lost my father uh, the day after Easter last year. So it's been about nine months now. And it's still as if it happened just yesterday. It's still really raw for me. And I did not realize how close I am, have been with my father until he was gone. And so I'm, I'm going through a grief group right now and we're trying to navigate through all that. And um, I can't remember why I just brought that up, but uh, hmm, must have been a reason. It'll come in a minute. Anyway, um, it's you know, I can remember my dad taping stuff on the refrigerator door, like an envelope and saying, if you lose like five pounds by the end of the month, you can have what's behind this envelope. And and I was always real honest. I would never peek. I had no idea what was in that envelope. But, you know, not once did I ever make that goal. Not once. You know, and then when I opened it up, it was like a $100 bill in there. Just back in the 70s, it's like, oh, you didn't tell me it was a $100 bill. Like it mattered. I still couldn't have done it. You know, we know what that's like to be a compulsive overeater. Anyway, um, let's see. Let me try not to jump around here too much. Somewhere... I came, I came, my top weight was about 200. My low weight was 92. And when I was in the hospital, I was, that was when I was about 92 pounds. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't even get in a bathtub unless it was really full. So I would kind of somewhat float because my bones were, were hitting through it. Um, I just, I can't imagine uh, being that way today, but I can tell you that all I could think of at that time was if I could just lose some weight, I'd feel better about myself. If I could just lose his weight, I'd feel better about myself. And, uh, you know, and, and we, we get distorted in our thinking, you know. Um, I remember we were looking at pictures one time, my mother and I, and I looked at this gal and it was from behind. It was, a you know, like her walking away. And I said to my mom, you know what, mom, if I look like her, I'd be happy. And she goes, you better take another look at that. She goes, because that's you. And as soon as she said that, I did not see the same picture. I did not see the same image. It, it's just crazy. It makes no sense, folks. It makes no sense. So anyway, the struggle's been there all along. Uh, what was hard is when back in the 70s when I came in, um, you didn't hear about anorexia or bulimia back then. It was around, but you didn't hear about it. <clears throat> and um, because I wasn't, quote unquote, at my top weight, I wasn't fat. Uh, it looked like I was working a good program because a lot of us based our program on our appearance on what the outside is. And so uh, the the shame was horrible because people would ask me to speak at the meeting. And back then you had to have, I think it was, uh, I don't remember if it was 30 days or, or anyway, you had, to, you had to have a little bit of abstinence and I had none, you know, I would eat on the way to the meeting. Um, couldn't wait for the meeting to get over so I could go finish what was out in the car. Um, that's just my story. I'm not proud of it. You know, um, I've, you know, come in many times with crumbs all over me, you know, because because our um, we just don't, we don't always take good care of ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's it's just horrible to be in in the in the grasp of an addiction and not able to stop, you know. And so somebody gave me a, a chip years ago. Um, I think it was an AA person. I don't remember who. It was a 10-minute chip. No, it was an OA chip. Never mind. It was OA. 
and it was 10 minutes. And, and that 10 minute chip basically saved my life. I could not get a day. I could not get 30 days. I could not get 60, 90 a year. I couldn't do it. I just, I kept falling short. And, uh, but the 10 minute chip, I was able to get 10 minutes at a time. And so, um, I consequently have, um, uh, I, I wore that chip out. It was on my keychain. Wore the chip out, uh, and I, I wanted to order more, but I couldn't find any more. <clears throat> and it's kind of funny because um, <laughs> um, when I couldn't find them, I, I, I spent months looking for it. I ended up calling Las Vegas people that make the chip for Las Vegas, and and I asked if they could make me a chip that said 10 minutes on it, and on the other side, OA. And um, they said, well, we can, but the, the limit – limited order is a thousand. So I ordered a thousand chips and, um, they were just little round, um, plastic chips. Um, uh, some of us have them. I have, I've given them away to quite a few people and, um, it's pretty awesome because there was no holes in them. And, um, and so my dad, he's very handy and he drilled a hole in a thousand chips, the whole box of a thousand chips. I have my father, God bless him, uh, drilled a hole in each, each one of them. So you could put them on a keychain, and um. So, and, and he tried to stack them, but they're plastic. So when you do them, they, it just melts. It doesn't put a hole. So he had to do individual. Uh, and so that's the kind of connection I had with my dad that we did a lot of stuff like that together. And it was, you know, so I miss him tremendously. And I'm just trying to navigate through life and um, having a real hard time getting up off the couch lately uh, since his passing. Um, um, I'm, I have no energy. I have no motivation. And, and, um, and people were telling me that's clearly grief. That's grief, you know? Um, and so I, like I said, I started to go to a grief support group and it's very similar to what we have here in our program. You know, it talks about, you know, um, keeping, keeping things quiet, you know, not, not telling everybody what somebody else said. Anonymity is part of it. They don't use that word, but it's the same concept. So, um, I, I see hope in the future. And when asked to lead this morning, I didn't want to do it because I'm feeling so down and so low and so negative. Um, I, I, I can barely put one foot in front of the other. And then when she said, yes or no, do you want to, uh, can you be the speaker today? And it's like, I wanted to say no, but I've learned that you don't say no in this program. You know, uh, you just don't say no. It's part of my recovery. And right now I'm trying to find what my purpose is. And that's what they're talking about in the grief support group. Um, what is my purpose? Because sometimes we, we forget who we are. Or we lose ourselves when we lose somebody that we're close to. Um, and, and my purpose, I have no idea what my purpose is. But I do know that um, when I keep coming back to program, I often think I have nothing to share. I've got nothing to give. Um, but the best that I can give is my story. And, uh, and the best that I can give is the honesty of it. You know, this is a, this, this is a horrible disease. You know, it's not like you can just stop eating and it's, and, and it's done with, it's not like alcohol. You just put the cork in the, in the bottle and you're done. You know, we as compulsive overeaters and human beings have to open that um, bottle, whatever it is, item. And we have to have a portion of that in order to survive. You know, we, we have to have our nutrition and stuff. So um, it's been a battle, you know, and that 10 minute chip has helped me immensely. I carry it in my pocket at all times. Um, and it's pretty cool because sometimes, you know, I could tell you I'm an AA or, or uh, a drug program or whatever it is, because um, it's more acceptable. It's more socially acceptable. But I and I'll tell you because you have a problem with food about 
Overeaters Anonymous. But I just am not ready to tell a stranger that a Twinkie took me down. <laughs> a Twinkie took me down, folks. You know, I was I was reaching for that Twinkie or an M&M, and it took me down. How embarrassing is that, you know? So I use the acronym OA for when I get over anxious. And that's, and that's, I hardly ever call it Overeaters Anonymous anymore by that OA on the back of it. Because I don't know if you guys, the younger generation, but from the old school, they used to say, before you say anything, count to 10 first. If you're mad, count to 10 before you open your mouth and blurt out something. Uh, so I kind of have that concept of 10. And when I've wanted to eat, it says it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I don't know where it is in there, but I've read it. Um, a lot of times just postponement can stop us from doing a behavior. So when I get a thought in my, an anxious thought in my head, my first inclination is to grab something, shove it in my mouth, and immediately I feel, I feel relief and release, relief, everything. And it uh, doesn't fix the problem, but it, but it, but it, it calms me. It's, it's soothing. And so now whenever I get over anxious, before I stick something in my mouth, I take 10 minutes and I'll re review it. I'll call somebody, um, whatever it is. And I got to tell you, I don't know why, but when I postpone it for 10 minutes, um, I want to say 100% of the time, but maybe 99.99.9% .99 of the time I don't do the behavior because I've had a chance to, to uh, de-escalate a little bit to where it's not spontaneous. And, um, and, and the hardest thing for me to do in this program is to share a slip, trip or fall. You know, I had an incident a couple of days ago where I was sick to my stomach. Uh, I had eaten something and it wasn't bad, but I ate something that, that didn't agree with me. And I was just nauseated so bad. The second I got home, I, I, I thought, oh my God, I just, I can't stand this. And, and, um, and, uh, I went ahead and, and I allowed myself to purge and it, but, it, but I didn't break my abstinence because in the past, the idea was to eat as much as I could until I could not eat another bite. That's how I ate on a daily basis. I would eat until I couldn't eat another bite. You know, if you take a milk carton and fill it to the uh, an empty milk carton and you fill it with water all the way to the top while you're holding it and, and it doesn't gurgle over. But as soon as you set it on the counter, it gurgles over. That's how I ate every day of my life. And every day I cried and, and prayed God, please let this be the last time. Don't let, you know, let this be the last time. And I truly believed it. My abstinence was not what was on my plate and what went in my mouth. My abstinence was behaviors. So one of the things that I had a horrible time with was um, uh, vending machines. I used to, um, every I, I probably was putting uh, $30 to $40 uh, every day in a vending machine because I couldn't stop. I worked at a, at a place where I had a smock that had pockets and those pockets were filled with junk the entire time so I could get through the day. And that's how I, that's how I survived. And, um, you know, so, and, and the, the compulsive overeating nearly killed me, but it also nearly probably saved my life, you know, cause I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have those resources before program. So now there's a, there's a solution here, you know, you reach out and, and talk to somebody um, I recently, just yesterday in the last couple of days, been going through my phone and started to call people in program and friends, not in program, just people, um, just keeping better connected because my isolation now is, is making me really go crazy. Um, and I did my worst eating when I'm alone, you know, behind closed doors with the, with the curtains drawn, you know. 
Um, I will eat bad at any time, but I don't eat as bad when I'm with around people. It's just it's just the way it is. Um, and so that's that that's important for me to remember. So I'm grateful that you asked me to share this morning, um, even though I kind of didn't want to. But it's like, you know, um, I, I want to get out of this funk I'm in and um, it, I'm not going to get out of there by just sitting back and listening and not sharing and not doing anything. Um, I got to get involved with the footwork and, and get back into living my life, you know. And it's funny because my dad was real matter of factly, you know, he just. He never like made a big deal of everything, unlike his daughter. I have to study everything and analyze it to to go crazy. And Webster, one of our good members from years ago, I just I loved him dearly. And one of the things I remember him saying um, is he would always say, you know, analysis leads to paralysis. So when I overthink something too long and study it too long, I get nothing done. It just it, I just freeze. And so uh, I try to remember some of those sayings that some of our, our our loved ones in program that are present and ones that have passed, um, you know, they had good recovery. I keep coming back to hear your story. And, um, and I'm sure that a lot of us keep coming back to hear other people's stories. So, which is another reason why I couldn't say no, because my purpose, although I'm not sure what my purpose is in life, I do know that I'm here for a reason. I should not. I, I should not be alive for for the way I've treated my body with food and um, you know, I was once. This is kind of weird, but I was once with a friend and uh, this is during that I was purging probably 30, 40 times a day. It didn't matter what. I would get up in the morning, get on the scale, um, go to the bathroom, get back on the scale, go take a bite of food or whatever it was I ate, and then get on the scale, go purge, get on the scale. That's what I did the entire day, the entire day. And passing out all the time, all the time. So don't do those behaviors any any longer today. I'm grateful for that. I'm, just, I'm so grateful. But I was with a friend one time, and I was in such poor condition. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't know why I'm still alive. Karen Carpenter died from this disease, and I, and I was right close next to her in line. Uh, but I remember being with a friend who had, uh, I think, about 15, 20 years of sobriety. We were sitting out back in, in, in my house at my house and I, I just I just faded out and I died. And uh, and and she and I just remember because it was because of this eating disorder because it was so far fetched. And I remember as I was dying, as I was leaving, my, I felt my my I don't know what you call it, but I felt my my body leaving my body, my soul, whatever it was. And I just remember panicking, thinking, oh, God, please not this way. How embarrassing for my family to know that they lose me because of this goddamn eating disorder. How embarrassing is that? And and I got please, please just give me another chance. And I just remembered that I was leaving my body, literally. And then and then I was given another chance. I came back. And my friend said, Oh my God, she goes, You were gone. She goes, I didn't even call paramedics or anything because you were gone. So I'm telling you, there's a reason. You know, God probably thought, you know, we ain't quite ready for you yet. You got some more work to do. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but and my sense of humor is the thing that's kept me alive, too. You know, uh, we are not a glum lot and I love it. I love to come to program and hear the laughter. You know, I come to program to see you and remember the day that you walked in the door, how afraid, how scared that you, I, somebody is when they walk in and then to see them now today, that to see the growth 
is worth coming back for, if nothing else in this program, just to see that there is a solution, there's another way. So, um, you know, it's just a miracle um, th that we have this program. And sometimes I, I, I used to go to OA meetings to hide out in meetings because I didn't know how to live life very well. Although people wouldn't know it because I appear to be outgoing. But inside, I was just a scared, scared person that was afraid to take that step, you know, and get involved with anybody or anything, um, you know, but uh, this program is is just changed all that. It's just changed it all. And and I used to go to meetings. Um, I started I was going to start having to look for, a, a, you know, a, a Overeaters Anonymous Anonymous meeting because I was going to too many meetings, you know, and too much of anything <laughs> isn't always good for you. Because I just went to meetings, but I didn't do anything else. I didn't. I didn't do any of the work. I didn't do any of the steps. I just went to meetings. That's the best that I could do. And um, and even it even says it in the big book. I don't know where. I'm starting to read the big book now. You know, this year I have no resolutions, but I'm starting to read more. Because I hate reading. Um, hey, Terry, that's um time. Got my time. Well, we forgot my three mm -hmm. minutes. And we're good because it's just about the right time. So well, I still got, I see 20, 30 seconds. No, anyway, it's, it's fine. Love you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And take yeah. it from there because I can't read the rest. Thanks.